0: Welcome to this episode of Horrific History and Hauntings. I'm Beth.
1: And I'm Ramey. We're your hosts, here to talk about the stories that the history books ignore.
0: From horrific epidemics and ghostly hauntings to the catastrophes and tragic events that have sickened humanity.
1: I heard we were talking about lemurs?
0: No, Lake Lanier. Oh. And we're hopefully going to make this a bonus episode, so when you look at it, you're going to see that it didn't come out on Wednesday.
1: Oh, goody. I'll have to finish it first then.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. But before I get into Lake Lanier, I wanted to try something a little different. I went to history.com a long time ago. Now I signed up for emails. That is what happened this day in history. Pretty much the only email that I don't look at. I'm like, trash, trash, trash. And then I get to that one and I'm like, Oh, OK, good. We'll look at this one. And it's obviously going to be the day that we record and not the day that it comes out, because I have no idea. I haven't got that email yet. September 22nd, 1862, Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation. Oh, but that's not what I'm going to talk about, because this is horrific history in hauntings.
1: That wasn't particularly horrific. That no. was pretty good, actually. <laughs>
0: yeah, it, I guess a bad thing caused it first, but yeah. we're not going into that. September 22nd, 1993. A train derailed in an Alabama swamp. It was an Amtrak train. It was headed to Miami. It derailed near Mobile, Alabama. It killed 47 people and was considered the deadliest accident in Amtrak history.
1: It's also the deadliest accident in bridge history because it outdid the whole Silver Bridge coverage we've done. Oh, I guess it did. By like one death, I believe.
0: Yeah. It was caused by a negligent towboat operator and the weather was foggy. It was known for carrying older people who didn't want to drive or fly,
1: so less likely to be able to swim.
0: Hmm. What happened was in the very early morning around 1 a.m.-ish, the train was traveling through Alabama. A towboat operator by Warrior and Gulf Navington Company, I think is what that is, was pulling six barges of coal and wood through an Alabama marsh. Andrew Stabler was the captain of this towboat. He was sleeping as the towboat and barges were traveling up the Mobile River. So Willie Odin or Odian was driving and didn't know how to use the radar system. The boat also had no compass or nautical charts to help with navigation odian took a wrong turn because it was foggy and he wasn't using any of this and didn't have proper tools to help him and he turned into the big bio i don't know what this is c-a-n-o-t cannot cano
1: if someone's in the (laughs) south who knows what this is i mean we're in the south technically or but barely
0: yeah not the good south down where it's nice and warm in any
1: area that knows how this is pronounced please let my sister know yes please she has an email address in the link tree in the description.
0: I keep asking you all to help me with these pronunciations, and nobody is.
1: And we know people's listening. We see the numbers.
0: (laughs) Actually, that's why I'm doing this episode, is because the most listeners, which when I looked, it was a couple weeks ago, so I don't know, it may have changed, were from Georgia. So I was like, in their honor to show appreciation, I will do something based in Georgia.
1: Beth, is this in Georgia?
0: No, this isn't. This is just something I want to try new for future episodes as well. Just a little. I was going to say,
1: you've said Alabama quite a lot. Um, How far off did he go?
0: Lake Lanier (laughs) is in Georgia, but this is what happened today in history.
1: I get what you're saying. Yeah,
0: In this area, barges were prohibited. So 2.45 a.m., the towboat, which was called Mavalia, hit a rail bridge. Depending on the tides, the bridge was only 7 to 12 feet above water. The tracks were knocked off of alignment by three feet. So several minutes later, here comes the Sunset Limited going about 70 miles per hour down the tracks, and it derailed. Three locomotives and the first four cars of the train plunged into the water. When it came to the rescue, the Movilia didn't make a rescue call until 3.08 a.m. He panicked. They managed full seven survivors out of the swamp, and those who didn't drown was put in danger from the fire that started. Two of the survivors that didn't die from drowning died from burns.
1: Ow. I mean, you're in the middle of a swamp. You either stay on the train that's burning or you... Drown. (laughs) Yeah, or you died in the crash in general.
0: The Coast Guard didn't arrive until 4.25 a.m. They had to wait another hour for the helicopter to come in. Movilia escaped any criminal liability. They were blamed, but they were not no criminal charges, I guess, would be the word.
1: It seems unlikely since they were not supposed to be there.
0: Yeah, that was just a fun little what happened this day in history. Mm -hmm. Now we're going back to Lake Lanier. Lake Lanier is located northeast of Atlanta, Georgia and the name's origin was after Sidney Lanier, which was an 18th century Georgia poet who wrote the song Sons of the Chattahoochee.
1: I've heard the name Chattahoochee.
0: I've heard the name Chattahoochee. That is a very easy to remember name. It is the largest lake in Georgia. It's about 26 miles long and 211 to 258 feet at its greatest depth. It was built in the 1950s, and the reason it was built was for flood control, power, water supply, and the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers built a dam to block the Chattahoochee River to create Lake Lanier, flooding a valley of communities with multiple counties. There were six churches and 15 businesses that were made of wood, which they tore down before flooding it.
1: That's good. People from wanting to go visit them.
0: Concrete and brick structures were left standing to be submerged in the water, and 27 cemeteries are said to have been dug up and moved. There were so many small family cemeteries that it is unlikely that all were removed before flooding the area. Historians say some unmarked graves were left behind, and a spokesman for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Corps. Yeah. Corps of Engineers. Caesar Yarber said the limited capabilities of the time make it probable that unanticipated finds of human remains are possible, whether from the antebellum and civil war periods or of Native American origin from pre-colonial and ancient times.
1: I mean, yeah, it's impossible to know where someone has been buried or has died, surprisingly. You know? yeah. It's unfortunate that that happens. And the fact that nobody remembers them being there, I guess, the families don't feel much about it because they don't know. Uh,
0: they probably didn't even know them, so. Yeah.
1: I mean, I ain't saying it's okay, but it's it's part of the uh, it's part of collateral life. damage and yeah. accepting that part. Yeah.
0: It took three to five years after the dam was completed for it to be filled to full capacity.
1: Real slow drip coming in there.
0: It was completed in 1957. Other things left behind to be covered by water was farmland, the Georgia town, Oscarville, which you hear most about. Roads and bridges, obviously, old rusty ferries that they no longer used, forests and trees that stood 35 feet below the full level of the lake were left standing.
1: Oh, that's dangerous.
0: Well, they thought it was better to cut the trees that were taller so that boats wouldn't hit them. But yes, if the lake is running dry, I'm guessing that's probably definitely going to be dangerous. I mean,
1: imagine recreational divers nowadays. That might have been a big thing back then, but nowadays... That sounds like a dangerous place to visit. Mm-hmm. And you know people want to visit it because it's so...
0: Oh, many, many people visit. I'm about to... That's at the end of my little list here. Okay. Another lake was submerged as well. It was called Lake Warner. Oh. So Lake Lanier killed Lake Warner.
1: I would have just kept the same name and say it got bigger.
0: <laughs> There's also a speed track that was near Gainesville. The bleachers were removed so that they wouldn't float to the top and cause boating accidents. But in 2001, there was a drought that caused the tracks to be exposed for a brief time.
1: Sad, but cool.
0: Yeah. It was thought to be cursed and haunted due to the dark history of the community that was flooded and destroyed to create it. And many deaths have occurred in or near it. Now Lake Lanier is a hotspot for boating, swimming, and other water activities. They have like those water park things and such as well. And about 10 to 12 million people a year visit the lake. It really is a pretty lake, and it is big. And also the dark history part. People are going to go for that.
1: How big is our lake?
0: I have no idea, but I need to do one on it, too, because we submerged a town as well. In 1912, a 19-year-old woman named May Crow was found unconscious in the woods near Oscarville, presumably after being raped. She was sent to the hospital, but I believe she later died. I'm not sure because different sources said different things, but I believe she died. The community blamed the African-American community for the crime, and mobs called night raiders got together during the night to chase them out of town. And I'm pretty sure this happened in Oscarville, the town I was talking about before. Many were brought in and questioned for the crime, such as Ernest Knox, who's believed to be 16 years old. I want to say that I found different ages in different sources for that too. And that's why I put believe. He was coerced into confessing, meaning others, blaming others for the crime as well. They mock lynched him. Mock lynched? Yeah.
1: They fake lynched him.
0: It said mock lynched. And I looked it up because I didn't really know what that was. And I think it's pretty much just lynched. Mock lynching refers to a form of aggression in which a mob under the guise of administering justice without a trial punishes and tortures a presumed offender, sometimes resulting in mass killings. It is important to note that lynchings were not always fatal. In some cases, mock lynching involved putting a rope around the neck of someone who was suspected of concealing information to compel them to make a confession. So I'm guessing mock lynching is...
1: It's intimidation into thinking you're going to get hung. Yeah. And then confessing and probably getting hung.
0: Yeah. So there's that definition. We learned something today. Robert was 24 years old. He was beat with a crowbar and dragged by a wagon. The mob took turns shooting into his body after tying him up. And I believe they tied him to a pole.
1: This is the kind of horror story you hear about. Mm -hmm. I know it shows up in movies and stuff occasionally based on this time, but it did happen. And it is a terrifying thing to imagine. Can you imagine being in this situation? That's the problem. Just think of yourself in this situation that usually solves the problem.
0: It's terrifying. Yeah. It is terrifying. People will scare me a hell of a lot more than any spirit ghost animal. People are like, oh, I'm terrified of. Bears or something like that. No, I will trust that bear 100% of the time rather than a human stranger. If I'm meant to be mauled to death, that's just how I'm meant to go. Oscar Daniel was also interrogated and blamed. He was a 17 year old. He was hung with Ernest.
1: Wait, is it someone named Ernest or was, it he, was he hung in Ernest, Ernest? Ernest was the first one I said. Okay, the 16-year-old. I thought you were trying to say hung in Ernest. Like he was just hung outright. They didn't no, even pretend.
0: They were hung together. Okay. The blind to shield the hanging was burned so that people could watch. Burned it down just so they could watch this. That is how cruel they were. Yeah. This is a time when hanging was illegal in the area. In one source I found, I'm not sure. While I'm saying I'm not sure about these and I'm finding different sources say different things, I am not a historian. I'm just a regular person that's interested in this kind of stuff that's looking it up and talking about it.
1: Yeah, we just pretend for the internet's sake.
0: I'm not pretending. (laughs) anything. I'm outright saying I am not that. I'm just interested in these topics. And I decide to look them up and to take notes and talk about them.
1: I understand. We got it. The,
0: the night Riders also shot into their homes and shot their farm animals. Why are you blaming the animals? You jackass. They didn't do anything. Uh, actually, everything you're doing in this situation is trashy. But the animals, nobody did anything. You're just trash. Yep. The animals didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. If they did, you don't even have proof. You need proof. Anyway.
1: It is just the color of their skin. Back then, that's all the proof that people needed.
0: Like I said, let's just throw any common sense right out the window. George Rucker, a direct descendant, traced his lineage four generations back to Oscarville. And he said, when the Knight Riders came through, they had to leave everything. The main thing they left was property. And my grandfather had 100 acres. Most of them didn't make it. My grandfather is one of them that didn't make it. He lost some
1: brothers and sisters. Yeah. So they just hunted them plumb out of the town.
0: Mm-hmm. This wasn't the only racially biased tragic event that happened in the area another one happened in the 1800s as well but I'm not going to go into that one While they were preparing to build the dam Lisa Russell, an author and historian said the controversy surrounding the lake started long before its construction began when the government began purchasing farmland, most of the land had been in families for generations which made it difficult to put a price on it for people because they had memories there they had it had been passed on through their family.
1: Well, good news. The state will do that for you.
0: (laughs) An author of several books on the lost towns of North Georgia and writing instructor at Georgia Northwestern Technical College said, At first, the government assured landowners that they were being paid for the true value of the land and buildings, but residents found it hard to price generations of memories, hard work, and deep roots. Yeah. The government bought the land for about $30 an acre.
1: I don't know what that is back then. Good or bad?
0: I can't remember if it was $30 an acre, what it would be today, or if it was back then. But the first to sell his property was 81-year-old Henry Chadburns in 1948. He sold his 100 acres of farmland, and the government gave him what would now be $45,000.
1: Okay. That doesn't sound completely fair for 100 acres. Mm. Not at all.
0: hmm <laughs> It was thought to be about 700 families that sold their property, a total of 56,000 acres altogether. Those who refused to sell had their property seized because good old eminent domain.
1: Burt Gummer warned us about that. Tremors.
0: (laughs) Yep. And you never doubt Burt Gummer, even if he is fictional. In 1956, locals jammed roads and bridges to watch as land and whole communities full of history were submerged under the water to be replaced with Lake Lanier. Now... That would be a sight to see. The thing is... But it did happen slowly, I believe. I was going to say, we
1: done <laughs> talked about how long it took. So they sat there, jammed those roads for a while. Good news, nobody was trying to get on those roads because there's nowhere to go anymore.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm wondering if it didn't happen like a big portion at first. I don't know.
1: I can't imagine how that would have happened at first if it took so long to fill it up. I feel up. like that would be dangerous just that to would have had to be a dam somewhere else to make it flood instantly.
0: I don't know. Once they finally could agree upon a name, because apparently that was a big debate for A year or so?
1: No, they had plenty of time before it was done.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Apparently for a few years, they couldn't agree on the name. So it was a nameless
1: lake. The lake.
0: That lake we made over the I would have just
1: named it after the town of the old lake, Warner Lake. It's just bigger now.
0: Some regretted selling when they realized they couldn't survive on what the government paid them for the land. I'm going to go into the deaths, hauntings, and other little interesting facts. Between 1994 and October 2020, 203 people died in drownings and boating accidents, according to Mark McKinnon on the Georgia Department of Natural Resources. Between 1999 and 2018, 57 boating fatalities happened and 145 drownings. From 2015 to 2018, 43 deaths related to Lake Lanier and 128 boating accidents happened.
1: This is quite a large number. We don't get that many on hours.
0: There was that one year, was it three, four years ago? five, Something like that. I don't know. Everybody that was jumping in seemed to be Dying.
1: Yeah. But, I think that's when I was camping under the bridge near the lake for yeah. a long time. I, I wasn't homeless. I just chose to camp under a bridge Yeah, with a bunch of friends.
0: <laughs> it, it was kind of a hangout spot.
1: It was actually dry, and I could sleep through the cars driving over. So it was dry, shady, and lake. It was great.
0: And there was some woods if you wanted to walk into the woods nearby. Yeah. It was nice.
1: And we could drive down to it.
0: Yeah. According to the Georgia Department of Natural Resources Law Division, There have been about 700 deaths at Lake Lanier throughout history. And it may have gone up since then because I did these notes a month or two ago.
1: At the rate, it seems like at least one or two would have went.
0: Yeah. And it was believed to be the high number because it has so many visitors and it's also said to be mostly alcohol related
1: reasons. I could see that.
0: There's a theory that boating accidents could be caused by hitting debris floating to the surface and there's also a theory that rogue waves are said to appear causing boats to capsize even though it's a lake but I guess it's possible. I mean I really don't know.
1: Technically it's a fairly recent lake so the ground under it might still be shifting and under the weight
0: somehow. Like I said I guess that's possible. I've Personally, never heard of rogue waves in a lake. I need to look into rogue waves.
1: I think the fact that rogue waves make them unpredictable.
0: Yeah, that's why they're called rogue waves. Drownings are usually in shallow, calm waters, and are often known to be strong swimmers.
1: It's very strange.
0: Those who nearly drowned but managed to survive have said that it feels as if hands were dragging them down.
1: Tree limbs. <laughs> but good, good for you. Glad <laughs> you survived. I'm just <laughs>
0: good job. Some swimmers said they're breath suddenly left their lungs.
1: Yeah, you're drowning.
0: And they were left unable to breathe. (laughs) That's the water. And while that happened, it felt as if something was pulling them down during the time they were, for some reason, unable to breathe. Gravity. Some claim to have heard church bells from a church that was left behind to be submerged, but Yarber said no such structure was known to be left behind due to the height issue. If it had a steeple as well as the floating wood issue.
1: They would have removed it or taken it. Yeah.
0: But who knows?
1: There's a lot of corners cut in government projects mm-hmm. back before they became so monitored. Mm-hmm. And even now, I don't even want to think about what's... <laughs> yeah. trust in the government's not at an all-time low, but it is pretty low.
0: At my point, it's at an all-time low.
1: Well, we didn't live throughout the Cold War.
0: Yeah, true, true. April 1958, two young girls... Susan Roberts and Delia May Parker left a dance and stopped at a gas station.
1: Wow, that's fascinating.
0: Yeah, yeah, they left the gas station without paying for the gas.
1: Oh, you dirty crooks.
0: They then lost control of their vehicle while driving on a bridge, and I want to say that Susie was the one driving, but um, they drove off the bridge into Lake Lanier, and the reason they know this is because skid marks were seen to cause belief that they drove off the bridge.
1: I mean, the skid marks mean that they tried to stop at least.
0: Yeah. One year later, a fisherman found a decomposed body floating near the bridge. They were unable to identify the remains at the time, but the cause of death was obviously not determined. Both hands and a few toes, I think it was like two toes, were missing. November 1990, a 1950s Ford sedan was found by divers at the bottom of the lake. I want to say they were doing work or construction to the bridge, and that's why they were diving around.
1: So they didn't even bother looking back then?
0: I guess not. Remains were found in the driver's seat of the Ford. They were identified as Susie Roberts. The remains found in 1959 were identified later as Delia Parker Young. Because I guess once they found the sedan, they decided to get those remains back that they found before and try to identify them. And they were identified as Delia. But this is where the Lady of the Lake Lanier story is believed to come from. People reported seeing the spirit of a young lady in a blue dress walking up and down the bridge. And she was missing her hands. It's believed to be the spirit of Delia because her body was found with missing hands.
1: Ghost ladies in blue or white or black or gray. See,
0: I don't want to say this is the first one that I've ever heard something besides white, black, gray, or red.
1: Well, we never have yellow.
0: Yeah, we never have yellow. But I don't think we're ever going to have a yellow. That's not a very spooky color. Two fishermen were on their boats fishing around 1 or 2 a.m. one autumn morning. And they saw a mysterious raft with a shadowy figure pushing the raft along with a pole and holding a lantern for light. The water in the area was about 45 feet deep. So pushing a raft with a pole would probably be pretty difficult because you're not going to touch the ground unless that's a big-ass pole.
1: The ferryman, the River Styx, Chiron. Oh, okay. Uh, He's a psychopomp, which means he is a ferry for Hades. He travels souls back to hell or to Hades.
0: Oh, so in the Hercules movie... Yeah. You see.
1: Karen. Mm-hmm.
0: Anyway, all of a sudden, the shadowy figure stood up on the raft and shouted something and then jumped into the cold water headed towards them. Oh, that's creepy. The fishermen prepared to leave and <laughs> was getting their lines in and well, packing up. Well, time to pack up. it up, George. Yeah, Let's uh, go. You know, it's about time for me to hit the old dusty lake trail. <laughs> the fishermen prepared to leave, but they shined their lights across the water and they couldn't see the raft or anybody swimming.
1: Yeah, I'd had enough of that already if I was yeah. them.
0: Yeah, I got to go. Kelly Nash, or Natch, a 25-year-old college student went missing from his home on January 5th, 2015. He woke up with flu-like symptoms, and when his girlfriend Jessica Saxton woke up and checked on him around 4 a.m., he was playing his video games in the living room. Jessica had to work, so she got out of bed at 7.30 a.m. to find that Kelly was not home. His game was paused, the garage door was slightly cracked, and he had left his car keys, wallet, and phone at the house. But a 9mm pistol and a single clip was missing from the house. Just hours before he went missing, there was video footage of him at a gas station buying medicine, and he was wearing his pajama bottoms and a dark shirt. For a month, the family, friends, and cadaver dogs searched for Kelly. February 8, 2015, a fisherman found a badly decomposed body in the lake. The tattoos helped to identify the body as Kelly Nash. I think it was Nash and I just made a t- typo on the other one. A gunshot wound was found on the body, rumored to be in the head. Don't know for sure. It said rumored. But the gun was never found. It is unknown what exactly happened to him. His loved ones believed he was in a good place, had goals and ambitions, and gave no indication that he would do this to himself. So they hired a private investigator who couldn't find anything to show why or how this could have happened.
1: I mean, it sounds like a suicide, to be perfectly honest, but who knows what he was high on? High on all kinds of medications at the time because, you know, how flu medicines work.
0: Yeah. Why did he take the gun?
1: Well, I mean, he got high on medications and then...
0: He didn't get the medication until he went to the store.
1: Yeah, but she don't know if he got home or not afterwards.
0: Ah, oh, that's a good point. I don't know. August 24th, 2012, 16-year-old Hannah True loves Cool name. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Body was found on the shore of Lake Lanier, behind the apartment building she lived in with her mother. She had been stabbed multiple times, and she was last seen with her friends in her mother's apartment at 7.30 on August 23rd. Her mother believed she was murdered by someone she knew and there were a few suspicious cars that were seen in the apartment's parking lot that night. People in one car in particular are thought by police to have information regarding Hannah's murder. A silver car containing three male teenagers was seen by a witness the day she went missing. One of the males got out of the car and walked behind a tree line out of sight. He returned about 10 minutes later with Hannah walking about 10 to 15 steps behind him. They walked across the parking lot and behind a building near the area her body was found. She was seen alive after that, though, but police say this unknown male individual is a person of interest. It's thought that one or two people witnessed something and just have not come out to mention what they witnessed. There was also some interesting tweets that was posted by Hannah just a few days before her murder. She mentioned a stalker and being so scared right now is what it said. And she also had one about fake people or friends and a boy. And then there was another that said, I can't do this by myself, which I literally say that every day had any small inconvenience, which puts things into perspective.
1: How old was she? Um, 16. 16, yeah. Uh, everything seems so...
0: I'm 28 and I still say that. Are you 28? 29, sorry. I'm old. Investigator Dan Franklin says that even though they have a suspect, they do not have enough evidence to secure a conviction yet. So, if you are out there, you will be caught.
1: If you are out there and contact somebody because you know something, that'd be very nice of you.
0: Yes. That's what leads me to anyone with information about the unsolved murder of Hannah True Love can call and is encouraged to call either Hall County Sheriff at 770 531 6885 or Crime Stoppers at
1: 1-800-222-TIPS. Oh, that's easy to remember.
0: Yeah, and if you remember, you can also put it in the description. So it would be easier for people that could possibly know anything and willing to do the right thing and tell.
1: I'll try to remember. Yeah.
0: November 2019, Jason Millen was on the lake in his fishing boat when he noticed something shiny in the water. So what do you do when you see something shiny? You grab it. You go find out what it is, because it's shiny.
1: I was on a kayak (laughs) at the lake and found the Dollywood commemorative cup.
0: Oh. He drove the boat over the object, and then he realized his boat was sitting on top of a silver minivan. They found inside the van remains of a 56-year-old Forsyth County resident, Van Dobbs. His name was Van. In a van. In a van. Dobbs was last seen on June 5th driving his silver van. It is unknown how or why Dobbs and his van ended up in the lake. In the 1980s, there was said to have been a chicken truck that crashed off the Thompson Bridge into Lake Lanier. This one, I don't know if it's true because it said it was said to, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Divers investigated the wreck. They said giant catfish the size of 12-year-old boys were fighting for the chickens' carcasses and swallowing them whole. Poor chickens.
1: Yeah, this sounds a little out there all by itself. Yeah. 12-year-old boys. Who compares anything to the size of a 12-year-old boy? That sounds so weird.
0: It does, doesn't it? Yeah. I (laughs) I didn't think about it, but it does. That sounds nasty.
1: Why do you compare anything to the size of a 12-year-old boy? It's very specific.
0: Yeah. Divers reported seeing or experiencing Interesting things while diving in Lake Lanier, such as catfish as big as Volkswagens, which I've also heard is in our lake. Sunken houseboats and other wreckage and piles of debris. And there's many interesting videos on YouTube. If if you want to look that up, divers finding things like this in the lake. 2017, diver Buck Buchanan said, you reach out into the dark and you feel an arm or a leg and it doesn't move. Weird. And that's when you grab it and you pull it and see if it's a
1: corpse. Oh, wow. Is that what he's talking about finding a corpse is like, or is he just...
0: I don't know if he means corpse, or if it's just...
1: An odd experience he's had. Yeah. Okay, because I was thinking, wow, these people just... How often do you find them?
0: Uh, the spirit of a young boy who drowned years ago in Lake Lanier is said to still haunt the area. Visitors reported seeing the ghostly figure of a boy walking along the shore and hearing his cries for help echo across the water.
1: That's sad.
0: And then I also found this thing called fish head.
1: Of course you did, Beth. A cryptid, I'm guessing?
0: Yeah. It's a human catfish creature.
1: You know, that's at least unique.
0: Yeah. I don't think this one's accurate, but it is interesting. It said that a woman was expecting her firstborn and was walking along the six-mile creek that empties into the Lake Lanier. And the story goes that a giant catfish splashed up near the shore and scared her so much that it caused her to go into labor and give birth. This is (laughs) a traumatic way for that to happen. Yeah. Oh. The description of this creature was small beady eyes, a mouth that was just a slit in its face. Pretty much a fish mouth, I would assume. I mean, just a catfish. Yeah. It didn't grow hair. It had pale gray skin. And the feet and hands had webs between the fingers and toes. The child became known in the community as Fishhead, and was made fun of so much that he pretty much shrank from society and retreated into the woods along the Six Mile Creek. He would fish and play there with the animals, and it seemed as if the animals accepted him as another animal.
1: Well, isn't that sweet? That's how animals do.
0: Yes, yes, it's great. His mother died when he was a teenager, so he started living in the woods along Six Mile Creek, and people began to see fish head, and rumors started that the monster was living along the creek. These reports caused people to want to capture the creature and display it for money, so two guys went to capture the creature, and they disappeared. Their boat was found with claw marks on the side of... As if an animal had grabbed the sides and turned it over. Like I said, it's just a sad thing. And it seems kind of fishy. (laughs) (laughs) There's much more to Lake Lanier. Trust and believe, I'm sure. But that's all I have for today.
1: Well, it's been fun. It's different.
0: But I would really suggest y'all look up the YouTube videos of divers at Lake Lanier because it's pretty cool.
1: If you want to hear from any of us, Bethy's email, our Instagram, the Gruesome Gaming Group, which is our podcast network, we have their other podcasts on as well. If you want to see any of that or find our YouTube, you can watch these on YouTube now. I'll have a link tree link in the description. It'll take you to all those links. If you want to contact us, use some of the social links there. Beth has an email specifically for this podcast. You can email her on it. If you want to review us, go to YouTube.
0: Some people I've realized by listening to other podcasts can't seem to find descriptions. So how do you get to those?
1: usually on a podcast when you listen to an episode you can go to the episode you're listening to and there'll be three dots or a button somewhere on there that tells you more information about the episode you're on if nothing else go to your podcast that you have subscribed to go to the top go down to the episode click on it when you click on it there'll be up to the description as well and then the play button if you hit the play button some of them hide it so you have to go from Base podcast. Go down the list to find the podcast you are listening to at in that particular podcast, and it will show you a description before you press the play button, or maybe even after you press the play button, it will show you a description. Every podcast app works differently, so it's a very hard explanation to give. Yeah. If you want to donate to us, the options on the website—it's the top link on the link tree. Find a single episode you like, or if you don't want to donate and want to buy some, find an episode you like that we talked about, and find the affiliate links linked to it, and you could buy something for yourself, and it will give us a little bit of money at the same time. That'd be kind. It won't charge you anymore, but it'll help us out. Pinterest is also in those links. You can see stuff about horrific history and hauntings and stuff she's gotten ideas from. We have two other podcasts in the Gruesome Gaming Group. I mentioned it earlier. One of them is Leveling Duo. It's a podcast I do with my friend Dakota about video games, ones we've really enjoyed. I've talked about Starfield a little bit, and he has talked about a lot of PlayStation 2 games, JRPGs, pretty good ones. And if you like role-playing games, like tabletop role-playing games, me and Beth also have a podcast called Brother Knows Quest. It's a podcast where I talk about a random tabletop role-playing game on my shelf, and she'll tell me if she'd like to play it sometime. I've been Raimi. And I'm Beth. Thank you for listening to H. Goodbye.